We're going to be in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 13 this morning. We'll start off there. I appreciate Pastor Evans having me in this morning, and, and I appreciate you all letting me come in, and uh, it's a blessing to be here. I, um, I don't take it lightly, and uh, I appreciate my family coming out. Um, they passed up Brother Jack Patterson this morning to come hear me, so you know that's a, that's a sacrifice. So they, and it's, never, it's never fun to come listen to your dad, but uh, they, they came out and they were they're supporting me, so I appreciate that. I have to admit, um, I had uh, two sermons I was going to preach this morning. Not, I wasn't going to preach it too, but there's two of them I was, yeah, we're, we're, they were so good, I was going to preach both of them. Uh, but there's two of them, I, and even as I was driving in today, I was like, you know, I wanted to preach this one, and the Lord kept telling me this one, and I was like, well, Lord, I just really think this, you know, I'm telling the Lord what He needs to do. But I'm like, you know, Lord, I really like this one. I think this one's going to really help Him, and He's like, no, I want you to preach this one. And at least I think that's what He said. And even as I pulled in the parking lot today, I was still debating, and the Lord just told me, no, this is what I want you to preach. So uh, I hope it's a blessing to you. It's a very simple message, actually. The other one seemed really cool and had all these cool things, and uh, this one's a very simple message, but that's what the Lord uses a lot of times. He uses, I'm a simple person, so he, he likes to use simple people. But in First Chronicles chapter 13, um, most of you know the story. What's going on is David is king now, and he wants, he's got a lot of zeal for God. And what he's going to do now is he's going to bring in uh, the ark, and he wants to bring it in, and that's a good thing, right? And uh, it says in First uh, Chronicles chapter 13, uh, verse 1, the Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord your, our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul." And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Notice that. It's right in the eyes of all the people. You've got to be careful sometimes. Verse, start in verse uh, 7. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ohio drave the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. When they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, therefore, wherefore that place is called Peruzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Now let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, again, I thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to preach. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you can help me because, Lord, I have found out the hard way that preaching to my own power does not work. And Lord, I need you to show up and Lord, I pray you can help your people this morning, Lord. They, they came to get something from you. They showed up on a, on a beautiful day, Lord, to get something from you. And I pray that you show up, Lord, and that they just see me disappear and that you show up. And, Lord, I pray that you can use this uh, simple message. I pray it's uh, what you wanted me to preach this morning. And, Lord, I pray you can help somebody with it and use it. 
Lord, I know you've helped me with it. And Lord, I just thank you for your goodness. I pray you just uh, be with the service, continue to be with Pastor Evans, Lord, as he heals. And uh, thank you for his faithfulness, Lord, to even just try to come into church, Lord, when he probably could have stayed home. And Lord, I just thank you for him and his family being here. And Lord, I pray you can uh, help them and continue and encourage his family. And just be with us now, Lord, we need you. We can't do it without you. And I pray you be with us now in your precious, most holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Chapter 13, you know, we just read it. And David, what he does is he decides he's going to bring the ark of God in. And hey, that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? I mean, I mean, he's not trying to be wicked. He's trying to do something spiritual, is he not? He's, he's, he's zealous for God. He's trying to do something for him. And yet here he is, and he's sitting there, he wants to do this. And he decides, hey, we're going to do this. This is a spiritual thing. And then he starts telling the rest of the congregation, like, yeah, let's do it. It was right in their eyes. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you can do something that really seems really good and spiritual, but you better pray about that thing before you do it. Because just because it seems spiritual and it's a good thing, you can make a bad mistake. Because you didn't consult the Lord in that thing. And they carried that ark in and somebody dies because of it and it ends up discouraging David. Now I want to ask you all a question this morning. Have you ever made a mistake? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, hey, you we're off doing sinful things. I mean, yeah, we all have sin, but I'm talking about you You tried to do something sometime. Maybe it wasn't even in sin. Maybe it was, it was something that you had really good intentions about. You wanted to do something for the Lord even, and you made a mistake, and you messed up. And what happens is what happens when that happens is, like David did after he made that mistake, you know what he did? He got discouraged. And you know what it'll do if you're not careful? It'll stop you from doing anything for the Lord anymore because you're afraid. There's been many a time in my life where I've made a mistake. I'll tell you, I'll be the first one up here. I've probably got more than any of you. I've made a lot of mistakes, especially in the ministry. I've made a lot of mistakes uh, trying to be spiritual, trying to do something that, uh, that I thought was a spiritual thing, and it ended up messing it up because I got over-spiritual, wasn't praying to the Lord about it. I decided this is what was supposed to happen and I made a mistake. I've made many mistakes. <laughs> I've, uh, I don't know if I told you about this. I think I did. But I, uh, Pastor Heaton's been having me do the weather there at the, at the radio station. And, and uh, the, he was trying to show me, you know, we're kind of going back and forth about how to do it. And uh, one day I, I have to log in when I get the things recorded. I have to log into the radio station and actually upload them. And I, I, there's two of them you can log into. You can log into the one for the admin, and there's one for the actual radio station, the actual, like, screen that shows what's playing at the radio station, all that stuff. Well, I logged into the wrong one, and I logged into it, and I was like, hmm, this is weird. So I'm, like, clicking off it and stuff and just click, <laughs> clicking around in there, looking around. Oh, where did I put this stuff? Where did I upload this stuff? I'm looking all over the place, and uh, you know what? I think I'm in the wrong thing. So I just X out of it. Well, when you X out of that radio station or out of that format, the radio station shuts down because there's nothing playing. And I, have, I actually have the phone sitting next to me. I'm listening to WMSD as I do this. So I'm like, click. All of a sudden, the radio stops on the phone. I'm like, maybe my phone just hit a bad zone or something. I restart it and nothing, just static. I'm like, so I click back into it again and I go into it and I load it. I click the thing to pop it back up and the radio station starts again. But now it's all off kilter because it's, the timing's off on it now. So then I click out of it again, it stops again. And I'm like, oh, man. So then I'm like, I better just get out of this. And I click 
out of it, and all of a sudden, um, oh, um, brother, uh, I forget his name, he, he texts me, stop, 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 stop. He said, don't touch anything anymore. He's like, I'm on my way to the radio station to fix it. And it took him a half hour, 45 minutes to get that thing, because even though he could pop it back up, the timing was all off now. And now that really, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just made him say, I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to do this if I'm going to shut down the radio station. Uh, you know, it got me kind of discouraged, and I, I told Pastor Heaton, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I, I really, he's like, no, brother, don't worry about it. He's like, you know, I appreciate you helping out, and, and I, I've been doing pretty good since then. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you make a mistake, and it's embarrassing, and, you, you know, I was just trying to do a good thing. And some of you, you just tried to do some good things, and it was a mistake because you didn't pray about it. Listen, if you're going to serve God, I'm going to tell you this honestly, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to mess up sometimes. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to do the wrong thing. And that's why it's important to be uh, walking with the Lord in prayer. Uh, But you're going to make some mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, then what are you doing? Now, listen, I'm not encouraging you to make mistakes, but you learn from those mistakes. I, uh, I worked, I used to work at the MEPS down in Lansing where the military guys would come in and they'd try to get processed to go into the military. And we had a lot of paperwork we had to do. So I had to be going through all the paperwork, the medical paperwork, all that stuff like that. And there was, a, there was a guy there that he was really trying to get advancement. And the only way he could get advancement was his, his motto was, if I want to get advanced, I'm not going to work harder. I'm just going to make everyone else around me look dumb. You ever have anybody who works with you like that? They don't want to do any extra work, but the only thing they'll do is try to make you look bad so that they look like, you know, they're pretty good stuff. Um, and he always walk around. He'd kind of, you know, hang out with the higher-ups and stuff, and he'd be hanging out. And I always wondered how the higher-ups didn't wonder why he wasn't working because he was just talking with them all the time. But he was sitting there, and he one day we were in a meeting, and he brought up the fact that I'd made some mistakes. He says, yeah, you know, Josh, he made this mistake on this medical record, you know, and I knew what he was doing. He was just trying to make me look bad so he could, you know, move up the chain. And he's like, yeah, Josh made these mistakes, he made these mistakes. And I looked at him, and in front of everybody, I said, hey, I said, uh, you know, it's easy not to make mistakes when you don't do anything. I don't know if I should have said that, but he just looked at me and gave me the look of death, and some people kind of chuckled, but that's the truth, Amen. I mean, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not doing anything. Now, you try not to make mistakes, but have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever made a mistake? Maybe there's somebody in here this morning, you made a mistake, you messed up. You messed up. And what the devil will do is, you know what the devil does? He'll come in there and he'll say, you know what? You might as well quit because you have just messed everything up. And everything you touch now is going to fall apart, and you best just be quiet and just not do anything anymore. There are people in the ministries that have messed up, and then they won't go back in the ministry anymore because they're scared they're going to mess up again. Have you ever made a mistake? I know I've made plenty of mistakes. I'm sure there's somebody in here right now that's made a mistake, and it's bothering you. I mean, that's why the Lord has to have me preaching this message. And it's bothering you, and maybe you don't want to do anything anymore. Listen, if, if I quit every time I made a mistake, I wouldn't do anything. Do you know how many mistakes I've made in preaching? I made so many mistakes. I, I, I had a pastor when I was just getting into the ministry. I just got called to preach, and he'd let me preach. And I'd get up here, and I'd preach. He'd let me preach in the Sunday evening services. And I'd get up, and I'd preach. And I'd preach my guts out, and I'd get done preaching. And then I'd go to the back. You know, he'd have, he'd have everybody pray. And I'd go to the back by the doorway, and I'd go back by the doorway, and I'd stand next to him. I'm like, whew, you know, I feel pretty good. And I just preached a good message. And he'd hand me a, a, a card of all the mistakes I made. He's like, these are the mistakes. You need to take care of those. Every time I preached. Never once did he say, good job. He always handed me that stuff. It's discouraging. But you know what you do? You just keep going on. I learned from it. There's things I do in my preaching now based off what he taught me. 
You're going to make some mistakes. Listen, if you made a mistake, I'm going to tell you what to do. Very simple message. But some of you in here, you made some mistakes. You messed up, and I want to tell you what you need to do this morning to take care of that. Number one is this. You need to admit you made a mistake. Turn to First Chronicles chapter 21. One time I had a, I had a brother come in. The pastor was gone, and I had a brother come in, and he was going to preach, and he preached. And, um, of course, I was running the service, and uh, at the end of the service, he was up preaching, and he was doing his prayer at the, end of the, at the end of the sermon. So, you know, as the associate pastor, I walked up the thing, and I came back, and I sat back in a chair like this, because, you know, normally what happens is when the preacher's done preaching, he hands it back over, and then he leaves, and then you close the service out. And I was sitting back here, and, and uh, sitting back here like this, just waiting for him to finish up. And he got done praying, and this is what he did. He looked back at me like this, turned around, and he closed the service and just left me sitting back there. And you say, that's not a big deal. Well, at the time, it bothered me because I felt like he was disrespecting me because he just, he just like, basically looked at me like, you're not worthy enough to come up here and close the service, so I'll do it for you. And, you know, it, probably, it wasn't a big deal. And if I would have been a humble heart, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I, I wasn't a humble heart that day. And I got really, really upset. And I didn't say anything to him. And um, we got done with we got done with that uh, that service, and uh, went our ways during the day and that night that evening he came back to preach again, and uh, that that time he, he was sitting in the I remember I was getting I was opening I was talking during the service and he was sitting there in that pew, and I got all in the flesh and I said, and I said a zinger to him, trying to be funny, and kind of insulted him and I remember everybody in the whole congregation laughed, except for him. He was looking there. And I remember thinking in my heart, there, I got him. How carnal is that? You see, that's awful. That, that goes through your heart. And as soon as I got done, the Lord smote me so hard. And he said, what are you doing? And I'll tell you what, I felt so bad. He left right after that. I felt so bad. And I saw him at a couple other meetings, and he, he wouldn't even hardly look at me. And... Um, I was, you know, I was trying to justify it by saying, you know what, I, he was disrespecting me, all this stuff. And uh, he finally came back to our church one time when our pastor was there, and he came and he preached. And he was sitting down back here after the service, and the Lord said, you need to go up and make things right with him. And I was like, all right. And I walked up there after the service. He was sitting there, and I sat down next to him and said, brother, I said, uh, I don't know if you remember. I said, but such and such day, I, I said this from the pulpit. I said, I was upset about this, and I said, I was wrong. And I said, I'm sorry that I said that. Will you forgive me? I was in tears. I felt so bad. He said, no, brother, don't worry about it. And I knew it did bother him, but I could tell when I apologized to him, things were right again. And you know what? He's been a good brother to me ever since. We've been good friends ever since. And sometimes you just got to admit you made a mistake. You messed up. You know what pride does? Pride says, I didn't make a mistake. He deserved it. You made a mistake. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, the Bible says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. First Chronicles 21, verse 1, And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me, and I, that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, as they are not all my, Lord, are, are they not all my Lord's servants, why then doth the Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause to trespass to Israel? And nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab 
Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And you find out that he made a mistake, right? He let the devil move him. It says, verse 7, And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, what did he do? He admitted he was wrong. He said, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. If you've made a mistake in here, if you've done something wrong to somebody, or you've done something wrong in the ministry, maybe you just it was you had perfectly good intentions when you did it. Just admit you did it, you messed up. That's the hardest thing for Christians to do, is just to say, hey, I messed up, I made a mistake. You're not perfect. <clears throat> you make mistakes. And the more things you do for the Lord, the more mistakes you're going to make. Now, hopefully you start walking with the Lord, you gain some wisdom about some things, but you need to admit you made a mistake. If you made a mistake against God, go and tell the Lord, I messed up. There's been something in my heart, I'm not going to go over it, but there's something I would not admit to the Lord, I made a mistake for years. And I had to go to the Lord and admit that. Have you made a mistake? I'm, I'm probably only preaching to myself this morning, but you, you, if you made a mistake, you need to, get, you need to make sure you, you admit that you made that mistake. You know, I was, uh, I'm an audiology technician, so I work at the VA. And what I do is I have to check everybody's hearing aids, but every once in a while, they get these ear molds for their hearing aids. And when they get these ear molds for their hearing aids, you have to put this stuff in their ear. It's like this bubblegum stuff. And you put it in their ear, and you got to stick it, and you put a block in there so it doesn't go all the way back to their eardrum. And you put that stuff in there, and it goes all the way to that block, and then it comes out. And what it does is it's like, kind of like soft bubblegum stuff, and then you let it sit, and it hardens. And then after a while, after it hardens, you take it out of their ear, and you got their impression of their ear, and so then you can make a hearing aid out of it. And so that's what, I, what I've done, and they were training me one time how to do that. And uh, I was feeling pretty confident. I said, well, how hard is it to squirt some stuff in somebody's ear, you know, and make a little impression? You know, and I'm thinking I'm pretty, pretty good stuff. And one of the doctors, he's, he's letting me work on him. You know, he's, he's being the, the patient. So I go in there, and I put the block in there, and there's this gun that you use to put that stuff in there. I just stick that thing in there, and he's like, don't go too hard. And I, I squeeze that thing real hard for whatever reason. I put all the pressure on that thing. wasn't even thinking. Got it. Came out just like it was. It took a little longer, which was unusual, but it took a little longer to come out. But it finally started coming out, and it formed the impression of the ear. I said, all right, we'll just let that sit for a minute. And uh, he kind of winced a little bit, and I was like, okay. And uh, it hardened. And I was like, all right. After about five minutes, I said, I'm going to go ahead and take that thing out. And I pulled that thing back, and I went to twist it. He started screaming. I was like, what's going on? And I kept trying to twist more. And he said, no, stop, 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 stop. What had happened is, is I put so much pressure, which you're not supposed to do when you initially put it in, it had blown by that block, and it attached to his ear or his eardrum and hardened. And he, he was like, stop, stop, stop. Make a long story short, we had to go into my supervisor, tell her what happened. We had to call, send him to ENT. He had to have emergency surgery that night get that thing taken out. And he ended up being okay. But I'll tell you what, that was, that was a very humbling experience. And I, I, I thought, man, I could have hurt this guy real bad. But you know what my first thought was? After that happened, well, when I got done putting, when I put that, uh, that block in there, I had another audiologist check to make sure that block was in there. And you know what my first thought was? The audiologist should have checked that block better. I wouldn't want to make, I didn't want to admit I made a mistake. But know what I had to finally do? I had to admit. And I went up to him and I said, I am sorry I did that. I had to admit to everybody I made a mistake. You ever made a mistake? Turn to Ezra chapter 9. 
I don't know why I'm preaching this this morning. I admit there's someone in here. I hope it helps. Ezra chapter 9. There might be somebody in here that's made a mistake, and it's keeping you from doing something for the Lord. You know what the scariest thing about that was? I had to go and still make ear impressions after that. I still do today. But I'll tell you what, I'm a lot more humble when I do it. I'm a lot more careful when I do it. You know what the thing about a mistake is? It helps you. It helps you learn from it. Ezra chapter 9, look at verse 5. What's happening is, is Israel has finally gotten back into the promised land, and now they messed up. They've done a lot of wicked things, and Ezra's trying to get things right. And he says in Ezra chapter 9, verse 5, he's admitting that he made a, they made a mistake. In Ezra 9, verse 5, And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God, and said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, for my God... For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass has grown up into the heavens. Since the day of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, and to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes, and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Admit you made a mistake. You know what you need to do? You need to repent. You need to get that thing right. Have you ever wronged a brother or a sister? You ever said something even though you didn't mean it and it was a mistake? You just messed up saying something to somebody? You know how many times I've been sitting in the lobby of our church and I just said something off the cuff and realized that it probably offended somebody over here? People sometimes think I'm crazy, and maybe some of you will too. If I, ever run, if I ever think I offended you, I will come up to you and I will say, I'm sorry I offended you. And it may be something just really tiny, really small, something you didn't even think of. Brother, what are you talking about? You don't even remember it. But I can't go on until I get that thing right. i got to make sure that we are okay. That's what i got to do. you got to check that thing. You know, how many times you've made mistakes? you ever made mistakes? I'm giving you a lot of worldly type of uh, examples. But in the church and in the ministry, you're going to make a mistake. If you've done something wrong, if you said something wrong to a lost person, go and admit you made a mistake. I've said things wrong to my kids, to my wife. You know how hard it is to go to your wife and your kids and say you made a mistake? I made, a, I made mistakes. I have to go and apologize to them. You need to admit you made a mistake. One time I was walking a guy at the VA, and I was walking him around, and I'm walking him around. He's blind, and I'm walking him down the hall, and I'm walking down the hall with him. And he's blind, and I'm walking him down the hall to the room where I'm going to get do his uh, hearing aids. And I go, some of you, I think I've told you this before. I said, so how's the weather out there today? And it just hit me that he's blind. And I'm like, I said, I, I'm sorry about that. He's like, no, no, he took it real good. And he was like, okay, that's, he was real nice about it. And I started walking him back out to the lobby later. I said, well, sure is sunny out there. I'm sorry. You make a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake? Just first thing you need to do is just admit you made it. That's the hardest thing, Christians. What's hard for a sinner? To admit they're a sinner. That's the hardest part. Just admit that you're, you made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Some of you don't think you make mistakes, but you do. You make mistakes. Get that pride down. Admit you made, <clears throat> admit you made a mistake. <clears throat> Number two, turn it. Oh, man. <clears throat> May the Lord say, I made a mistake preaching this. He's trying to shut my mouth. <clears throat> Number two, Joshua chapter 7. Admit you made a mistake. Amen. Just admit it. It's simple. 
Joshua chapter 7. <clears throat> so you admit you made a mistake. You say, okay, preacher, you got it. I admit it. I'm sorry. I messed up. Lord, I'm sorry. Whatever you tell it, I'm sorry. Admit you made a mistake. And secondly, this. Once you admit you made a mistake, you need to seek the Lord on what to do next. Turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Obviously, they messed up <clears throat> in AI, and uh, they, had, they had a cursed thing, and God didn't give them the victory. It's their only loss that Joshua ever had. In Joshua chapter 7, look at verse 10. The Bible says this, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Second thing you need to do is seek the Lord on what to do next. Joshua is sitting there. He knows they messed up. He knows they made a mistake. Listen, are you noticing a trend? These people are not trying to do something wicked. They're just trying to do something for the Lord, but they're not praying before they do something. Whenever you do something for the Lord, you need to pray and seek Him. It doesn't matter how good a thing it is or how noble or how holy or how spiritual it is. You better pray about that thing before you do it. A lot of people want to do good things. I think everybody in here wants to do something for the Lord, but you better pray about that thing. There's been many things that I've wanted to do for the Lord that the Lord said no after I prayed, and they were noble things, I think. They were things that I thought would please the Lord, and the Lord said no. You got to pray about that. Joshua, just like David, is trying to do something good for the Lord, but he made a mistake because he wasn't praying that thing through, and now he's seeking what the Lord wants him to do next. And the Lord tells him, you need to get rid of that thing that's among you. You need to seek the Lord on what to do next. Turn to Ezra chapter 10. You need to seek the Lord in those things. You know, I've met many a preacher that's decided that, hey, I'm going to go do this in the church and turned out to be a mistake because they didn't pray that thing through. You got to make sure that, listen, you can't do what every Christian's doing. I can't do what every Christian's doing. You know what I want to do for the Lord? I want to be a missionary, evangelist, a pastor, and I want to be a great soul winner. And I want to know my Bible real well, and I want to do all the ministries. Every time someone brings up a ministry, I'm like, I can do that. And the Lord's got to tell you, hey, you can't do all that. You can't do everything everybody else is doing. You got to you got to pray about those things. Some of you, I pray you got some zeal. You want to do something for God. Pray about that thing. Make sure you don't make a mistake. In life, maybe it comes to your job. Maybe it comes to something you're doing at work. You better pray about that thing. It may seem like a good thing. You better pray about it. You better make sure God's in that. He may say yes, but then again, he might say no. In Ezra chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says, Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore, in reference to chapter 9, which we just read. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and have taken strange wives of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives, and such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord, and those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to this law." Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also shall be, or will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. You need to seek the Lord on what to do next. 
If you make a mistake, don't try to just fix it. If you're like me, you make a mistake and then you try to fix it right away and you just make it worse. You ever said something stupid? And then you realize you said something stupid? And then you try to quickly recover and say something to cover that stupid remark up? And then you realize that remark is even worse than the remark you made earlier? And the next thing you know, you're trying to cover it up. And the next thing you know, you're in a very, very awkward situation. And, you know, there's no way out of those. You ever notice that when you're in those situations? There's no graceful way to walk away. You just got to kind of hang your head, you know, and just walk away because you know you just said something foolish. Uh, you got to pray about what to do next. You got to pray and ask the Lord, hey, Lord, what should I say? Should I just keep my mouth shut for a little bit? Sometimes that's the best thing to do is just shut your mouth. You know, you got to be careful. You need to seek the Lord on what to do next. The Lord, what the Lord wants you to do, you'd be surprised what he might tell you to do to fix it, and it's not what you think it is. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple, uh, a year or so ago, or about a year ago, actually, uh, I travel around at my job. I go to all over the state, and I've told you this. I go to all these different cities, and I go all around the state, and I go there, and I um, fix people's hearing aids at different VAs. Well, of course, gas is going up, right? Gas is going up, and everything's going crazy. It's up to over $4 a gallon, and even up to $5 a gallon. And I was like, man, how am I going to do this? I can't do this because my work would compensate me, but they wouldn't give me everything I needed, right? They give me a little bit of compensation. So I got the great idea that I'm going to get me an electric car. And I decided I'm going to get an electric car. And I found a good deal on one, so I thought. And I, I looked and I saw that if you could plug this thing in, uh, you could plug this thing in and you could get, uh, you can get 40, mi- or was it? Yeah, 40 miles in like 20 minutes if you plug it in. So I thought with all the traveling, all I got to do is just find a place to plug in and I can just plug that. It's called a uh, fast charger. You plug it in and it just plugs it. Now they have also a regular charger, which only does like 20 miles every couple hours, but I could use that fast charger. So I decided I'm going to get an electric car. Did you say I prayed about it? Sure I did, very quickly. I prayed very quickly. I said, Lord, if you don't want me to get this, stop this. That's a bad prayer to pray. Don't pray that. And I went down there, and to make a long story short, I got that car, got a good deal on it. And, um, I mean, I had to go all the way down to Ohio to get it because Michigan wasn't selling them. So I went down there and got it, and my, my, I had my family with me. They were in another car. Obviously, they took me down there, and I was going to head back. And I just thought, well, I can only, you get about 230 miles on one charge. I thought, well, I'll just get up to a supercharger, plug her in, because I found out on the maps where all the superchargers were. And I thought, well, I'll just go to the supercharger, and I'll plug that thing in. Get some more miles and just keep on going back to Michigan. So we went for a while, and I got down to about, I don't know, 40 miles or so. And I was like, hey, we need to stop. There's a supercharger station right over here. I called my wife. She's like, all right, we pull over. We go to the supercharger station. I pull up there, and I'm just like, man, it's the first time I'm going to charge my car. I get up there, pull the supercharger off, pull up on my charger thing, bonk, bonk, doesn't fit. And then it hit me. For the first time, I realized that there were some cars that didn't have a supercharger on them. And I didn't even check it before I bought it. I assumed it had it on there, and so all my car can take is a standard charger, which can take up to six to seven hours to charge. And I'm in here in northern Ohio. I have 40 miles on my car, and there's a standard charger right there, and I'm like, and I realized I just made a big mistake, an expensive mistake. Long story short, it took me two days to get home. I had to stop because I could only stay there for so long, and then I'd move on a little farther. 
I spent like eight hours in a University of Michigan parking garage with a charger plugged in. I had to sit there all day. Basically, limped my way back home. As soon as I got back home, I was like, Lord, I made a mistake. I really messed up. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I emailed the, the, the dealer and said, hey, hey, you guys got to take this car back. I thought this was a supercharger. And I went and I was, just, I was panicking. I was like, man, I just made a huge mistake. I can't believe I did this. I'm trying to get the guy. He's, he writes me back. He's like, no, we can't take the car back. And I'm just, I'm just like about ready to come out of my skull. I'm like, I cannot believe I just did this. And so I started praying. And the Lord, you know what the Lord told me? He didn't give me the answer I thought he was going to give me. Um, turn to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. This is why you got to seek the Lord on what to do next. Because your idea of what you think you need to do may not be the right thing to do. Numbers chapter 22. And he calmed me right down. You know what the blessing is? The Lord can help you even when you make a mistake. It may be a stupid mistake, and you got to reap what you sow, but the Lord can help you. Uh, Numbers chapter 22. You know this story well. You know about Balaam. And what did Balaam do? They told him, uh, the, the Lord told he wanted he was going to go with those men to go curse Israel. And what did the Lord say to him? The Lord told him, don't go. If they call, they go. But if they don't, don't go. Well, he just ends up going, right? You know the story. He ends up following him. He's not supposed to be doing it. But look at Numbers chapter 22. And this is what the Lord used for me. Verse 31, the Bible says, and the Lord opened the eyes. Or you, you know he's on the, he's, I want to give you context. He's on the ass. He's going forward. And, of course, the angel of the Lord is standing in his way. And so he realized, he doesn't know why he keeps riding off and hurting him. And then in verse 31, the Bible says, And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Because I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. He made a bad mistake. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. So what's Balaam do? Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. He realizes he made a mistake. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? He says, I'm going to correct this. So what's he say? I'll go ahead and I'll go back. Is that what the Lord tells me to do? He says, go ahead. Yep, you made a mistake. I want you to turn around. I want you to go back the way you came. That's not what the Lord said. The Lord said this, Verse 35, and the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went up with the princes of Balak. You know, the answer that the Lord's going to give you is not immediately, you, we automatically assume it's an about face in the other direction. And the Lord says, you can't go back that way now. So what I need you to do is I need you to go this direction. This is the best direction for you right now. So when you make a mistake, instead of just assuming it's a complete 180, Sometimes you got to stop. This is what you need to do. Stop what you're doing. Stop. Pray. What do I do, Lord? And He will lead you in the direction you need to go. And He dealt with me in that verse, and He told me, don't talk to that dealer anymore. Or He said, don't mess with that dealer about returning the car. You bought the car. We'll make it work. And I wrote the dealer back, and I said, I apologize. I said, I overreacted. I said, it was my mistake. I said, thank you for your time. And I went, and I have that car to this day. I'm using it. And the Lord showed me different things I can do with it to help me get around to all the places. 
But you know, if I would have went back and just dropped that car off and threw a fit and went to a big legal thing about it, that's not what the Lord wanted me to do. Sometimes when you make a mistake, and I'm using myself a lot because I don't know all your mistakes. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me some afterwards. But anyway, I was using my mistakes. But your answer isn't always in about facing the other direction. Turn to Acts chapter 27. You need to pray about that and ask the Lord for help about that. Some of you made a mistake. So you think, well, I'll just go back the other way. Well, you can cause more damage going back the other way sometimes. You gotta, you gotta watch it. <clears throat> you know, if I was, I was preaching about this last weekend. You know, you can take a rock and you can kick it off a hill, and it'll go down that hill. And you think you can control it, but you can't, right? And then it just keeps rolling until you can't stop it. Well, all that damage that rock does to the to the plant life and the trees as it goes down, it goes down to the bottom of the hill. <clears throat> it doesn't do you any good to roll it back up again. It's not going to fix anything. You've got to figure out what you need to do next. Acts chapter 27, look at, uh, look at verse 21. Now, you know they're on that ship. They weren't supposed to be on there. Paul told them they shouldn't go on there. But in verse 21, they're in a mess now. They shouldn't have been on this ship. They shouldn't have been on this, out there on the sea. But in Acts chapter 27, 21, the Bible says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loose from Crete and, and to have gained this harm and loss. They made a mistake. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall not be there shall not there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now there's a double fold application to that. You say, What is it? Number one, they shouldn't have been on that ship. Paul told them, don't go, but they went anyway because they knew better than God. How many times have you told God you know better than him and you're going to do it anyway, right? Then you get yourself in a mess and you pray. So you think, well, the first thing I had to do is do a about face and get back. No, you got to pray about that thing. Say, God, what do I do now? God didn't tell them to turn the ship around. He says, this is what's going to happen. We're all going to be okay, but God's going to cast us on a certain island. The other application is this. Paul wasn't supposed to be there either. You say, how so? If you would have listened to God, he would have never gotten in trouble in the first place. Paul, one of the greatest, or the greatest Christian in Christian history, made a mistake. And he went anyway. And because of that, he's in bondage now. But what does God tell him? Be of good cheer. When you make a mistake, you know what God does? He comes up and says, all right, yeah, you messed up. But be of good cheer. I'll show you how to go, the direction to go. Doesn't mean you don't have to reap what you sow. You know, the Lord didn't make me take that car back. Seek the Lord on what to do next. I hope that's helping some of you. You know what some of you do? You get make a mistake, you try to do an about face. Sometimes that's the answer, but sometimes it's not. You know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to admit you made a mistake and then seek Him what to do next because His direction may not be the direction you want you think you need to go. Thirdly, this, my final point, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. I told you it's a very simple message. First Chronicles. I'll preach about the meaning of life this evening. Be a little more. I'm just joking. Be a little bit, a little bit deeper. First Chronicles chapter 15. So now David knows he made a mistake. What's, what do you do now? After you admit you made this mistake, you seek the Lord on what to do next, and you got light on what to do next. Well, then you correct the mistake and move forward. First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 15. Verse 1, David's going to correct it. First, 
First Chronicles 15.1, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched it for a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. That's his mistake he made the first time. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. How does he know that? Because he looked at the Word. He searched the Scriptures, like we're saying in Sunday school. He looked and checked it out. Instead of going by how he felt, he says, I better do this right this time. And he looked in the book, and he found out what was supposed to be happening. How many mistakes you make because you don't get in the book and you don't pray, and then you just make a judgment call on how you feel. And how you feel, like I told you this morning, changes all the time. You can't go off your feelings. You've got to pray about that thing. You've got to ask God what to do. Correct the mistake. So he does that. Now look at down at verse 12. The Bible says, and, he said, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of God into the place that I prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that, for that we sought him not after the due order. <clears throat> I hope this helping somebody because you know what? If you made a mistake, and you know what you need to do about it, you admitted it, and you corrected it, or you're seeking the Lord what to do, you need to correct it, and here's what you need to do. You need to move forward. And this is probably much the, the crux of the whole message, is if you're in here and you made a mistake, and you messed up, and you admitted it, and you got it right, and you sought the Lord what to do next, and you're doing everything you can that you think you need to do, you need to move on. Because the devil will use that mistake and hold it over your head forever, and he won't let you do anything anymore, and you'll mess up. I tell the guys at the jail this all the time. I say, listen, you're going to mess up while you're in there. I said, and the devil's going to tell you not to come back to service next week because you had an awful week, and you need to be in that service. Some of you, you won't come to church because you had a bad week spiritually, and you're ashamed to come to church, aren't you? You feel like you aren't close to God, so the last thing you want to do is come to church and be a hypocrite when this is where you need to be. I don't always feel like going to church. Wednesday evenings, I mean, I drive straight from work. I pull into the parking lot. I still got my work clothes on. I got to change and jump, jump in there. I don't always feel like it, but it's where I need to be. And the devil will get you down, and he won't let you move forward. You'll say, no, I can't do it. Well, listen, staying out of church ain't going to help anything. Not doing anything else for the Lord isn't going to do any good for you. What, are you going to just stop doing something for God because you made a mistake? We've all made mistakes. I'm sure Pastor Evans would get up and say he's made mistakes. Maybe you would. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I know I've made mistakes. You make mistakes, and then what you do is you correct it, and you move forward. I'm almost done here, but let me tell you this. Listen, I, was, I came to Secor Baptist Church in 2007. I came there in 2007, right after Bible college. It's a long story about how I got there, but I came there, and uh, Pastor Lambert took me under his wing, and he says, hey, I need some help here. And he uh, helped me do some things, and I was getting, I became the associate pastor, and uh, he let me teach the teen Sunday school, and uh, he, uh, after a while, they named me associate pastor and all this stuff, and it, it became a blessing. The problem is, though, is I was still trying to be super spiritual in some things, and I was making a lot of decisions based off what I thought was spiritual. And I'm not going to go into details about it, but I made a lot of decisions based off what was spiritual, and they weren't what the Lord wanted me to do. Do you know that the Lord can be very practical? Sometimes you think the Lord has always got to do something crazy or supernatural, reverse, whatever. Sometimes the Lord is very practical in your life. I don't have any money. Get a job. Don't just sit there and pray, Lord, fill the cupboards. If you can work, go to work. Amen? 
Don't be like a lot of these people that sit at night and play video games and then are upset because they don't have any money. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes because I was trying to be spiritual. And because of those mistakes, they caught up with me after a while. And I, I made some bad decisions, some bad financial decisions. And what happened was is I got myself in a real hole. And it was affecting the ministry in which I was doing. And eventually what I had to do is I had to go to my pastor and I had to tell him, I had to say, listen, I can't do this. I have to get a job downstate to get myself back on my feet again. Uh, pastor Lambert was very gracious. He said, yeah, I understand. He knew I was, I was struggling. And I left. I didn't think I was ever going to come back. But I always felt awful because I knew I was only leaving because of my mistakes. And I prayed to God. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. You opened a door for me there, and I messed it up because I was stupid. And I went downstate, and I was down there for about three years, and it's a long story. Long story. It didn't take as long, as, but, man, the Lord brought me back up. And I came back up, and I was trying to, do, I was trying to start a work somewhere else, and it didn't work out. And then I went over to Pastor Lambert and said, hey, listen, I'm not trying to bother you. I said, do you mind if my family stays here in church, you know, just so they can have church <laughs> until I figure out what the Lord wants me to do? And he's like, yeah, brother, yeah, come on in. And he said, we'd love to have you. And I'm thinking there's nothing more for me there. I've already, that door's already shut. And I came in and I pulled into the parking lot one evening, or one Wednesday evening before church. I got out of work a little early, so I was the first one there. And I pulled into the parking lot, and I was just going to read my Bible before church. I'm praying about, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I see pastor's car is parked over there, and he's inside, obviously, he's studying or something. All of a sudden, the back door opens. He says, hey, Josh, come here, come here. I'm like, oh, man, I what I do, you know? And I go in there, and he shuts me down in the office. And to make a long story short, he says, listen, he says, um, we need someone to teach the teen Sunday school class, like the one I taught before. I said, would you be willing to do it? I said, yeah, I I can do that. It's also, I need you to maybe fill in and start preaching for me too. Would you be willing to do that? I said, yeah. And so that's what I started doing. And then next thing I know, a month or two later, pastor calls me on the phone. He doesn't even ask me. That's Pastor Lambert. Hey, brother, just letting you know they voted you in as associate pastor. We'll see you when you get back. Click. Uh, say what happened. I made a mistake before, and I left. But I went down, I got things right, I got things taken care of, got myself back on my feet again, and the Lord brought me back up. And I had to move on. I didn't think I could move on. I was actually embarrassed to come back to church there. And you know what the Lord did? He opened up all the doors that had shut behind me again, and He gave them back to me again. He says, yeah, you messed up, son, but you know what? I know your heart was right, and I know you wanted to do the right thing, so here you go. And he gave it all back to me again, and I had to move forward. That was eight years ago, and the Lord just had me go forward. If you made a mistake, listen, correct it. Admit you made a mistake. Seek the Lord on what you need to do next. It's not always a 180-degree turn. you got to ask God for, for wisdom about that thing, and then once he tells you how to do it, you correct the mistake and the most important thing is, is you move forward and put it behind you. Because everyone in here has mistakes. Everyone in here has got a past. Everyone in here has done some stupid things. And every one of us has tried to do something spiritual probably, and we messed it up. And you've got to move forward. A man said once, he says, if you're not making mistakes, then you're not doing anything. 
He says, I'm positive that a doer makes mistakes. Another man said, success does not consist in never making mistakes, but in never making the same one a second time. Learn from it. I've learned a lot from the Lord, how He showed me some things. Give you a couple verses and we're done. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. You ever felt like that? Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning they're new. Get back up. It's a new day. Put it behind you. I know the brethren sometimes hold it over your head, but God's not holding it over your head. And God will open some doors for you. He'll show you some things, and He might just give you back what you messed up. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You think Paul didn't make mistakes? Christian, you made any mistakes? I don't know why I preached this morning. I, I, I feel I had a much better message, but someone in here needed that. And I don't know why, but you're in here and you made a mistake. Admit it. Just admit it. I messed up. I messed up. And then make sure you, you talk to the Lord and figure out what He wants you to do next. It may not be what you think. And then once you got it corrected, it doesn't mean everything's all right all the time, but you corrected it the best you can, move on. And keep going forth for the Lord, and then pretty soon that'll just be a memory that you can use like I did up here today, telling you mistakes I made, but the Lord has let me move on to continue doing something for Him. You made any mistakes? right with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, allowing me to preach. Lord, I, I hope this helps somebody. Uh, Lord, this is not a, a really a Sunday morning message, I, I, but you really dealt my heart about preaching it, Lord, and I pray that if there's somebody in here, Lord, that's made some mistakes, Lord, that's messed up. And I know we all have, Lord, that they just get it right. Lord, first thing, hardest thing is just to admit that we did it, that we messed up, because we want to justify ourselves so much. Lord, help us admit we just messed up. Lord, help us, Lord, to get that thing right and talk to you about what we need to do to, to correct it and not just make things even bigger than they have to be. And, Lord, then once we get it right, just to move on. Lord, I don't know if there's a Christian here, Lord, that needs to just move on, that needs to just say, you know what, I messed up, and they got it right with you, and they've done the best they can to make things right, and they just need to move on. And, Lord, it doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what you think. And, Lord, I pray you just help your people. Lord, I thank you for just uh, having grace and mercy. I know I can speak for myself, Lord. You give me so much grace and mercy. And, Lord, through my mistakes and through my errors. And, Lord, I pray you help your people this morning.